And now, from the News Hub studios in Auckland, it's time for the Fight Club podcast. G'day guys, Brad Lewis here. Welcome to Fight Club. Uh, thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, Pack show as always. Uh, for you WWE fans, Seth Rollins coming up very, very shortly. He is the current Universal Champion. Spoke to him this morning, so we'll play that interview back. Uh, interesting bloke. Currently dating Becky Lynch uh, for realsies. Oh, your favorite Irish um, wrestler chick. Yeah, who I got to meet in, uh, in who, Brooklyn. She's and lovely. Who, and who you um, whisked out of doing the proposal with. Yeah, she wanted me to, to mm. propose to my now fiancé in the ring at Raw, so I wasn't that keen on that, to yeah, be honest. Wow. Opportunity have, missed. Wouldn't have been my best move. We're also going to introduce a new friend of the show uh, coming up Shortly, uh, really, really happy to have Isaac on board. So we'll introduce him uh, in the not too distant future, um, and we'll preview the massive fight this weekend. Cerrone and I Quinza, and I guess it's a lightweight eliminator, really, isn't it? With two guys that are, are right up there. Alt, of course, probably given Khabib Nurmagomedov his toughest fight to date, taking on Donald Cerrone should be a huge fight. I love that one. Yeah, huge cowboy. You, do you love it, or, or are you in love with it? I can't. I can't. Mm. I don't know. Maybe there's a bit of lust involved here. Maybe I'm not deeply in love with it, but I will definitely be tuning in. And there was an interesting fight in Israel Adesanya's division uh, early this uh, last weekend as well, so we'll cover off that. But first up here on the Fight Club podcast, time now to chat to WWE superstar Seth Rollins. The Fight Club podcast, the big names. We are just two weeks removed from WrestleMania 35, where in the opening match of the night for the Universal Championship, the Beast Slayer Seth Rollins... He slayed the beast all right, beating Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. We're very privileged here on Fight Club this week to have the Universal Champion on the show. Uh, Seth Rollins, uh, thank you very much uh, for your time today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. All right, I want to start with that WrestleMania moment, Seth, and you've had a couple yourself. You've, you've beaten legends, uh, Triple H, uh, Brock Lesnar. Uh, you've taken on Randy Orton at WrestleMania in the past. Uh, you've got a great history. You won the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania, but I guess Brock Lesnar and Triple H are the, are the two marquee matches that stand out. Uh, from your perspective, which one was the most significant in terms of your career trajectory? Well, we're coming pretty fresh off the uh, slaying of the beast. You know, I will say, coming back off of uh, a devastating knee injury to get into the ring with Triple H, one of the greatest of all time, at WrestleMania and beat him uh, at his own game pretty special and if you look at you know where things went for me later that year especially leading into the following year uh that was a a bit of a catapult to get me back to where uh i was before the knee injury so like i said we're we're pretty fresh off the brock lesnar match and who knows where that's gonna um place me career-wise obviously i'm kind of standing alone top of the podium at the moment but uh it'll like you said you have to look back at it in retrospect and really figure out you know which one was more important but uh certainly i think i could not have been the beast slayer had i not been the king slayer first so um more important than anything i I would say that victory over triple h is really what catapulted me into the uh, next phase of my career you've shared the ring with Brock Lesnar, you've no doubt uh, shared backstage with him as well. Uh, what do you think could be in Brock Lesnar's future? Um, you know, Brock's an interesting cat, man. He um, he's, a, he's a moody dude, and he, he goes with the flow and how he's feeling. Um, and at the end of the day, obviously going into um, you know this match with him, you heard a ton of horror stories and and uh, weren't really sure what to expect, but. Um, you know, when the dust settled, uh, you know, I 
put his head into the mat and pinned him one, two, three. And so, uh, in my opinion, the right man came out on top. So for me, it was a, a great experience working with him. Um, you know, who knows what the next time, if there is one, it's going to be like. But uh, WrestleMania for me was a big win. And if the UFC is in Brock Lesnar's future or near future, Seth, uh, he's potentially fighting a good friend of yours and Daniel Cormier for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. I'm just uh, sort of trying to gauge your thoughts on if you think that will happen and, and maybe how the fight goes. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope it happens for both of them and for the fight fans everywhere. I just think it's an interesting matchup, right? You're looking at uh, two insanely talented collegiate wrestlers. Um, obviously, Cormier has a bit more experience with mixed martial arts, but, like, you never know. Brock's fights are so unpredictable because he's so ridiculously strong. Um, so it'd be a hell of a fight and a very interesting matchup at heavyweight especially. So um, I hope for fight fans it does happen. I hope for those guys they can get a nice paycheck off of it. Um, I, I have to put my money on DC though. I mean he's just he's such a he's such a fighter man. The only time he's ever been really beat is by John Jones and those all have an asterisk on him because John's a cheater. So um, yeah, I, uh, I I I love my boy DC. You've accomplished that goal now of topping Brock Lesnar and bringing that championship back to Raw where it'll be defended week in, week out by yourself, Seth. I guess for you, what are your goals for 2019 and beyond? Um, I mean, my most immediate goal is to just be kind of a champion of the people, you know. Um, with Brock Lesnar carrying the title the way he did over the past couple of years, sort of only defending it when the time was right against the right people, um, it, it in my opinion, devalued the title. You know, I think he thought that he was making it more prestigious. But to me, um, having the title on the show every week and being a champion that, uh, you know, defends it on a regular basis only makes the title and its legacy grow. And so um, that's that's pretty much my goal right now for the duration of 2019 is to be the absolute best champion that I can be. And, and that starts at Money in the Bank coming up here in a few weeks when I make uh, what could be my first title uh, well, I mean, I guess I defended it against Kofi the night after. But my first major, major, major title defense on pay-per-view uh, against AJ Styles, which is a match I've been looking forward to for a very long time. So it'll be very, very cool to see how you know the next few months and the next year plays out for me as uh, you know as I hopefully defend my Universal Championship all across the world. And it was rumored for many, many months and confirmed by WWE uh, not too long ago that Dean Ambrose was leaving the company. Of course, he has wrestled his last match for the time being for WWE in that farewell match that you, Roman, and Dean had on the WWE Network a week ago as The Shield for the very last time. But, you know, he's a close friend of yours, Dean. Uh, I'm sure he uh, confides in you every now and then. Can you see a chance of maybe Dean Ambrose coming back to the WWE in the future? You know, that's a hard prediction to make. You know, no one knows what's going on inside Ambrose's head except for Ambrose. Uh, probably a good thing. <laughs> but um, never say never. You know, we've seen crazier things in WWE, and, you know, we could never see Ambrose again, or we could see him tomorrow night. Who knows, you know? So it's 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 he's the only one that knows the answer to that. Uh, time will tell, obviously. But, um, yeah, I'm happy for him. I'm hoping that he, uh, you know, gets what he's looking for and um you know i obviously uh, from a personal perspective very much hope that we see him again because he's a good brother and 
um, I, I like having him around. And one of the big talking points on social media right now, let alone the WWE Universe, is Bray Wyatt and the Firefly Funhouse uh, gimmick, the promo that he's uh, currently cutting on Raw and on SmackDown. Uh, you're obviously uh, been a fan of professional wrestling for a long time. I'm sure uh, you took great enjoyment out of watching that promo. Uh, what do you make of it? And, and uh, do you think it's a, a good development for the Bray Wyatt character? Yeah, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see where Bray Wyatt lands, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, I do not know. Um, at the end of the day, like, I remember watching the, the previous vignettes, uh, not last week, but the weeks before with the weird bird and, uh, you know, some of the creepy stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, the same old Bray Wyatt. And then he, uh, you know, he comes out with this funhouse thing and, you know, you saw my reaction. You mentioned it on the uh, YouTube channel, and uh, that, I mean, that was my genuine first reaction to seeing that. We were in the middle of filming uh, the Up, Up, Down, Down, um, you know, Talking Thrones segment, and that popped up on the monitor, and I had to stop Cesaro and point out what was happening because my brain was exploding. So it, it'll definitely be curious to see where it goes from here, uh, you know, how it translates to – um, a performer inside a wrestling ring, I don't know, but it certainly you know, added some shock value to the show on Monday, that's for sure. We're just a few weeks away from Money in the Bank, Seth, and a dream match will occur when you take on AJ Styles. Wrestling fans all over the world are literally slobbering at the mouth over the thought of you two guys spending 20 minutes in the ring together creating magic. Uh, anything special in mind that uh, you guys may have for the WWE Universe come Money in the Bank? Yeah, I mean, I don't really think it needs to be, I don't need to have anything in mind. I think the fact that you've got, uh, arguably, in my opinion, the two best in-ring performers in the entire planet going toe-to-toe for the first time in closer to 14 years is uh, something that's really special. Uh, and the fact that the WWE you know, audience has been waiting for this match, I feel like, since AJ Styles came to WWE a few years back, uh, now we're finally getting it, and it's for the Universal Championship uh, coming off my big WrestleMania win uh, and his big WrestleMania win. You know, it's uh, it's a really quite a special evening, and I don't think we're going to have to do much to, to 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 sell that. I think it is what it is, and I'm hoping people are excited to see it, as excited as I am to be a part of it. And you have a great history at Money in the Bank, Seth. 2014, you won the briefcase. It kind of launched your career to the point of where it's at today as we speak as Universal Champion. Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, I guess for you, is there any special memories from that night in Boston uh, five years ago? Uh, Man, I remember taking a back body drop, I think from Kofi Kingston, actually, uh, over the top of the ladder onto another level that ladder that had been set up uh, across the top rope, and I remember it hurting badly. Um, it's a lot of suffering going through that match. Um, you know, ladders are probably one of my least favorite um, weapons that we use in WWE just because they're so unforgiving and they're also super unpredictable. And so uh, I remember being in a lot of pain but super satisfied uh, pulling down that briefcase for the first time in my career uh, it was really a special moment for me, and it was like, it felt like, um, almost like winning the world championship in the sense that, you know, at that point, especially, you know, the, the percentage of cash-ins, uh, the success ratio was very high, and so I felt like pulling that thing down, I almost had a guaranteed world title in my pocket. Little did I know what it was going to turn into, but, um, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty special moment for me in Boston that night. 
Seth, thank you so much for coming on the Fight Club podcast. Really do appreciate it. Uh, and from all your fans in New Zealand, all the best for the future. Thank you. The Fight Club podcast with Brad Lewis and Stephen Foote. And for all you WWE fans, the AJ Styles Seth Rollins matchup at Money in the Bank. I know you're looking forward to that one, Footy. It's going to be a classic. Oh, cash it. Money in the Bank. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on that segue, time, time now on the Fight Club podcast to welcome in our new friend of the show, Isaac Savage, who uh, I think he's going to give us a little bit of a better perspective on, on the New Zealand scene and, and things that maybe Stephen and myself aren't that familiar with. Um, Isaac, how are you doing? Great. Thanks uh, for having me on board, guys. Really excited to be here. And- Absolute stalwart. A- absolute stalwart, absolute stalwart. Hey, so Isaac, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Uh, sort of your your background, how you fell in love with the sport that we all love uh, in combat sports, both boxing and mixed martial arts, and, and sort of what, what your role is in the New Zealand community. Sure. Well, believe it or not, I was actually forced into the dojo um, as a sort of early teenager. Uh, I <laughs> was a bit of a problem child, quite hyperactive, so I got to a stage where Dad uh, forced me into the dojo, so I didn't really want to go. First karate lesson down, loved it. Uh, you know, fly kicks, karate chops, carters, all that carry on. I thought it was quite cool at that stage growing up doing all this, you know, reaching the levels, getting through the belts. Uh, but it wasn't until my first interclub that I uh, went, a, went to attend to watch and then someone said, hey, why don't you just jump in? So I went from going to watching an interclub against competing. So all I really had was a, a mouth guard, uh, was, was an orange peel and a sock was a cup <laughs> and I got thrown in. And from what I'd practised... Uh, in the dojo at, at Sado, compared to uh, getting clinched, kneed, kicked, and I think potentially elbowed, it really changed my perse- perspective of martial arts to, uh, I guess, the martial arts to a combat sports. Stage. How old? How old were you when all this was going on? So I started off at around about 14 years old, progressed uh, and did karate for about three years, and then had my first interclub around 17 years old, which was a bit of a rude awakening, a bit of a baptism of fire, but really got me into the the stage of combat sports and competing against somebody else and you've become a fan of the sport you write about the sport now as well um you know you're very familiar with a lot of the the fighters in new zealand so where did that sort of love stem from and how did you get into that side of the business well from there i moved up to palmerston north i spent four years there under uh, the tutelage of Stu chambers at the fight shop shout out to Stu and all the boys there in palmy and I competed a bit more uh, and then came back to Christchurch. So my last fight in kickboxing was against a guy called Willie Rewi that went on to win the NZ title. And I came back to Christchurch, still very much involved with the scene, had done a couple of trips to Thailand, and an opportunity with a magazine called Rogue came up, Rogue Magazine, where I uh, approached the director and just said, hey, there's a lot of things happening down here in Christchurch. Who's covering it? Mainstream media weren't. I loved it. was obsessed with martial arts. And he came back and basically said, you are. You are if you want to. Wow. Wow. And obviously that's kind of led um, eventually to a New Zealand fighter. Tell us about how that got going and how you, you, you established yourself there. Well, believe it or not, when I first started off in Rogue, there was nothing down there in terms of coverage, and we actually competed with NZ Fighter. So there was a bit of a rivalry, a bit of a rivalry at the start there uh, between me and the director of NZ Fighter. Uh, eventually, though, years on the track, I mean, after, I guess, training all around the world and getting to a stage where... Uh, Fighting was getting a bit too hard. You know, I started getting involved with the media side, the writing, filmography. I loved that side of it. And, you know, I believe that if you're not going to get to sort of Mayweather-Connor level, making those millions, there's other paths and other things to do. And because I love the sport, the media coverage, I, I, I started getting involved in that over the years with the writing, photography, and a little bit of commentary. Uh, the opportunity with NZ Fighter probably came up about a year ago. It was, it was just going to go to waste. And I took that on with two other partners, 
uh, Jamie Patterson, who's our creative director, and Harry Greenfield down in Christchurch. And it's just our goal to, to bring grassroots to mainstream combat sports to New Zealand. It's interesting you talk about mainstream, and I've been in this business, in the media business, for 2011, like the second part of my life has been dedicated um, to media, and I remember fighting some insane battles to even get boxing on the news um, at Radio Sport and what have you, and combat sports was laughed at by multiple journalists who are now covering it every week on television. Uh, for you, as, as a fan as well, you've probably noticed a massive upswing in terms of mainstream media coverage and you know you got TVNZ running um, promos on, on their news to TV3 us here at News Hub you've got the Herald you've got stuff you've got every main ma- mainstream media uh, outlet in the country reporting on Israel Adesanya and Dan Hooker and of course Joseph Parker and the like. You make a good point and, and that's the thing I, I, I truly measure the success of someone making it when they become a household name. So, for example, everyone knows who Israel Adesanya is. My mum knows who, who he is. And there's always a good representation if your mum knows who a fighter is or, or someone that's not so somewhat involved. And the great thing about being, I guess, involved from grassroots level is we're mixing and mingling with these guys that start off. Like, I mean, I met Izzy years ago, other people now that have made it to the, to the spotlight. But they all started somewhere. They all started somewhere having that first fight, um, even losing along the way. And getting to the stage where Izzy is at now. Yeah, I mean, we all, I mean, obviously, when we talk about MMA in a mainstream sense at the moment, it's all UFC. And I mean, here and here at New Sub and at the Fight Club in particular, we do like to talk about things that are a bit more grassroots, cover off other promotions that are well worth our attention, where there are Kiwis doing big things like the One Championships, like Bellator, etc. Tell us about what's going on at a grassroots level at the moment. I mean, you, you've obviously got your ear to the ground probably better than most. In, the, in this country? I mean, what's going on? What, what, what do we need to be aware of in terms sure. of what sort of events are out I'll there? I'll mention a few fights. And um, look, I say to people, even in Auckland alone, there's three or four events on on the weekend. You know, don't forget Wellington, Christchurch, there's the three other main cities and the rest. So each each weekend, realistically, there's ten, probably five to ten events on that, that no one knows about and there's not coverage in regard to. So even I struggle to keep afloat with all the events. But breaking it down into three categories, I guess, kickboxing, um, boxing and MMA this weekend we've actually got um, quite a big boxing show in Christchurch for the IBO Oceania featherweight championship against Nort Bochamp and Janelle Duasa. Now Nort Bochamp, uh, some may remember he's probably one of the guys, one of the only guys that knocked me out, um, clean chinned me a long long time ago so Yeah we, we all remember that Isaac okay, yeah. thanks. thanks for mentioning that one and uh, I'm actually going down there to, to cover that one this weekend and it, Good on uh, Norton in a sense because you know he's sort of progressed his way up from uh, you know he's almost undefeated in that sense. He's got a good record going into this, and if he gets this fight, once you've got one of those straps, it kind of gives you leverage to go on and fight for other world titles. Yeah, uh, we've also got the Hard Knocks show on the uh, this weekend as well at the ABA, and Liddy Liddy is fighting Jordan Ty. Now I'm I'm sure everyone is familiar with Jordan Ty. Absolutely heard that name. Of, oh, look, I've never I've never seen him, but I've heard that name a thousand times. Is that the boxing academy just around the corner from News Hub? There, it's, it's literally ah, five minutes Eden walk. Terrace, yeah, no, literally five mean. minutes walk. Yeah, and growing up, we've all we've all heard about the Ty family. You know, we've got the Daniel, you've got Jordan. Kickboxing was his main sport growing up. However, now he's moved into the boxing realm. Should be a good fight. Liddy Liddy is an experienced amateur, probably fifty plus fights. But it's never a hard or easy night against Jordan Tai. Also got Toa Latelli against Jordan Muroa, who Muroa's out of South Auckland Liga. You may have heard of me. Fought Chris Bamford in Australia recently. Toa Latelli is signed under Shane Cameron, so 
that's going to be an absolute not a banger. Just on, on that before you move on, Shane Cameron uh, is a name that flies under the radar a little bit in terms of the boxing, sort of underground boxing, not underground, but the, the local boxing community in, in New Zealand. Obviously, of course, made his name and his money off that David Tua fight, which he's probably still cashing the checks in every week. But like what he's doing for the the young talent in New Zealand is probably sort of similar to what Lolo did back in the day for the young you know Pacific Island boys out in South Auckland. Shane's kind of carried on that mantle. I know Carlos Yulberg, for instance, talked about you know Lolo having an effect on his career many moons ago, and I guess that's what Shane Cameron is kind of filling that void at the moment. Also, too, with his TV production, it gives some of the fighters out there something to look up to. Back in the day when we had K1. I know people are aspiring to be on TV because K1's actually used to be broadcast on TV too a long, long time ago. And now what, what he does with Sky, it's something for the, for the guys to aspire to. You know, you've got the Andre Mikhailoviches, you've got the David Lights. They're all upcoming and they're on his shows and, and features and it's just something for everyone else to be inspired by. And the other event this weekend that you mentioned? Uh, well, that, that's in terms of uh, boxing. Um, in terms of kickboxing, we've got a few things up in the coming weeks. So down in Wellington, we've got Capital Punishment 47 on the 18th of May. Now, I'm pretty sure we've all heard of the MTI Institute. Mm, enlighten us a little, Isaac. Well, MTI is, is one of the the more uh, established Muay Thai gyms down there in Wellington, run by Mark. And over the years, I've had an array of amazing fighters. Currently, they've got uh, Petawi and just left to go and train in Thailand is Gentian Lupi. Gentian Lupi is a multiple world kickboxing champ and now boxing champ. She's gone over to Thailand to pursue her dream of winning a world title. Those um, sort of you know Asian places, like I know we've got a ton of talented fighters at Bali MMA, including Nairine, and you mentioned Thailand. I know Dan and, and Kai Kara France and guys like that have spent a lot of time in Thailand sort of grounding their skills. And I, I did notice um, Khalil Roundtree, who was really impressive a couple of weeks ago in the UFC, the best he's ever looked inside the octagon when he completely shut out Eric Anders. He had spent his entire camp training Muay Thai in, in Thailand. It really is the place to go for you know, skilled fighters to sort of, uh, you know, craft their striking game and just put those finishing touches on their striking games. Totally agree. And just when you think Muay Thai or kickboxing's on a bit of a decline, that performance from Khaled Roundtree was just amazing. He was actually, he almost looked like Tong Pol, uh, the kickboxer. <laughs> and it's, it's probably a good um, good sense of encouragement for other fighters out there that you do have to go over to Thailand or, you know, sometimes a source of truth to refine the art and he's I was just listening to a podcast the other day he's actually going back over to live I heard that yeah yeah on the on the most recent um, Rogan pod he, was talk, um, he mentioned that yeah really impressive but I mean obviously it's a, it's a spiritual home of Muay Thai isn't it it's yeah, it's all in the name and there's a number of guys as Brad mentioned New Zealanders uh, Mark Abelardo is one who's training at Fairtex Academy which is one of the biggest uh, fight gyms in Thailand so there's, there's definitely plenty of talent coming out of those areas that are you know, New Zealand grown as, as, you'd, as you might say So Isaac in terms of your impact I guess on this show what we're sort of wanting to create here is I guess a broader expansion for our listeners in terms of of, of an understanding of, of the, the combat sports world in New Zealand. And, and we're not just, as Footy said, about what Israel Adesanya is doing, what Conor McGregor is doing. It's, it's, this, is a, this is a global sport, and there are literally hundreds of thousands of, of fighters in New Zealand, let alone the rest of the world, that are making $25 a fight every weekend, um, fighting you know probably 35 times a year because they have a genuine love of the sport. They work five days a week, but they also fight on the weekends. Yeah, and I can't disagree with you there. I mean, when you first start off in the sport, especially at the grassroots level, you're not really doing it for money. You're doing it for bragging rights and see how far you can go 
or push yourself against another person. And with that saying, you know, we talk about the kickboxing scene, we talk about the boxing, the MMA scene at the moment is just absolutely lit, you know. It's hard not to talk about that that scene and, and the events going on. And just with, you know, the likes of the, the Izzy's, the Connors, the John Joneses, people are starting to get more into MMA now because of what, are the, what they're seeing on media and mainstream. And, and look, we... Um, triumph the achievements of city kickboxing on the show on a regular basis I mean the fact is last year they had the second best record of any gym in the whole entire world when it came to UFC I think they went 11 and 1 over the course of a 12 month period but you know I know Luke Jamo fights out of Hamilton there's there's other gyms around the, the country that are producing UFC quality fighters not just city kickboxing yeah that's totally right I mean you've got uh, down in uh, Dunedin you've got Hammerhead trained by yep. Matt Toa in Christchurch you've got CFC or Valley Tudor by Carl Weber who is a bit of a pioneer obviously in the MMA martial arts scene he was also on uh, the Frenemies episode with Dan Hooker as one of his original coaches so there's a lot of good gyms out there outside of city kickboxing you know no disrespect to city they're a great gym but even down the road you've got City League R who's now merged with Mayhem Boxing and Dan, uh, look, I don't know, um, I might be setting myself up here for an epic fail, but I think Dan hosted a, an event recently. Do, do you know oh, how that... Yeah, I actually attended. Yeah, so how, how did it go? What was what was it like? I know there's a, a pretty much a total amateur type of, type of deal, but it, was, it a, was it a good good afternoon, good night? Unbelievable. I'm actually amping for the next one. It was uh, from start to finish, it rolled out very quick, all in the ring. So if you haven't been down to Dan Hooker's facility there in Ellerslie, you've got to go. It's probably one of the most state-of-art gyms I've seen here in New Zealand. Everything's brand new. Uh, new gloves, new cage. Uh, the ring was great. It was hosted by Cy, uh, obviously a friend too of Dan's. Uh, did a great job. Split his pants, carried on through the show. <laughs> it was an absolute cracker. And look, it was a good show. I mean, all a lot of the guys were amateurs, first-time fighters. Even the physio jumped in. So the guy that um, does all the physio for the fighters wow. and Dan Hooker jumped in. It was basically just a, a chance for guys to get in there and have their first-time fight. Uh, the main event was a little bit more experienced. However... Uh, a couple were in the cage, some in the ring, and it was just a good afternoon. Let's move on a little bit now to, to some, some more stuff, some stuff that's uh, happening in the world of combat sports. Uh, confirmed today, which is Tuesday. Well, not confirmed, but all but confirmed. Uh, News Hub have a source that have pretty much guaranteed that Andy Ruiz has locked in the main event uh, title slot with Anthony Joshua coming up in Madison Square Garden on June uh, the first, I think it is, it might be during the second New Zealand time. Ruiz, familiar to New Zealand fight fans, had a razor close decision loss against Joseph Parker, where, you know, it was 10 rounds where I felt that you could score each round quite clearly, and then there were two swing rounds, and a lot of people had those both going to Ruiz, and a lot of people had them both going to, uh, to um, Parker. But what do you make of, of this matchup? Is this a potential banana skin for Anthony Joshua? Well, when you look at Ruiz, uh, considering it looks like he's never stepped foot in a gym, when 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 the bell goes, he really lights up and he comes into play. And you know, like you just alluded to, the the fight between him and JP was very close. Some may maybe even thought that uh, Ruiz took that fight away, but his hands, his movement, for the size of the guy, he moves so quick. He's quite dynamic, and he's going to give him a bit of trouble, like his old opponent, uh, his nemesis that did beat him in the um, the amateur days, which was just trying to remember the name now he just beat uh, Parker oh D- Dillian White Dillian White so not not the same power level but way more speed and he moves on angles that are going to give AJ a bit of trouble however if I had to put money on it AJ should take home the win 
but Roy is, isn't going to make it easy for him. And uh, another big fight coming up in the heavyweight world is Dominic Brazil and uh, Deontay Wilder for the WBC Championship. That one's taking place in Brooklyn on May the 18th, I believe. Uh, Junior Farr last week on the show saying it's going to be an easy and quick night's work for Deontay Wilder. Is that how you see the fight going as well? Well, following um, obviously some of Duco's promotions and Izu Aganu uh, a wee while ago did fight uh, Brazil. Great fight. And I was really gunning for Izu, just yeah. you know, having having met and, and spoken, conversed, and Brazil just shut him down. And that just goes to show the level. Once you crack that top 10 heavyweight boxers in the world, it's a different game. And I understand that you and Hemi are here, another sort of city kickboxing uh, heavyweight prospect. Um, go back a, a fair bit of a way. Tell, tell us about that little bit of background there. Well, Hemi are here. Well, you know, if you go back a wee while ago now, he fought on an event called the Super 8. Um, and that's where I first got to know him and understand his power. Mm-hmm. And he did have a bit of a break. But if you he, and he actually is quite a small heavyweight. He probably almost belongs in the cruiserweight division, but he's almost too heavy for that too. Just the power this man possesses is unbelievable. You can't be taught what he possesses. And for his any upcoming fight, you just saw his performance in America and his fight also against Conrad Lamb probably one to two months ago. Conrad Lamb tips the scales. He breaks scales. He's, he's close to 200 kilos. And Hemi Ahio is probably half the weight, if not less. Gave him a go and did beat him. And now training out of the famed city kickboxing gym in Auckland, which also has Junior Farr on the ranks, and Junior confirming last week that Eugene Behrman will be now a, a, a big part of his team going forward along with uh, the other striking coaches there. So interesting that Eugene's, you know, like giving some time to his boxing prospects as well as his mixed martial arts prospects. And what a gym that is. I know, I know CKB gets mentioned a lot, but that stable is just a, a stable of assassins right now, isn't it? Interesting you say that. Okay, so we've got a lot of high-profile men doing very well in the combat sports scene. And speaking to Israel Adesanya in the very first episode of this show last year, he said he felt that the woman in terms of New Zealand were probably still two or three years away from being UFC ready. Um, he said even the best woman at his gym, you know, who, who was, a, I don't, I, he didn't actually name drop her, but he said even she was still about a year away from being UFC polished. I know Nyrene Crowley's doing decent things overseas. She's um, fighting in, in one warrior, which is hopefully for her a pathway to one championship. Uh, but where are we at with, with the terms of women? Obviously, Faith had a title fight against um, Cyborg, Cyborg about th- four or five years ago, came up short, as most women have against Cyborg. But, but where are we at with the, on the women's scene in, in New Zealand? Do we have you know, some sort of girls touching the surface of, of mainstream? Well, it's an interesting question because you know, stats-wise, it's a hard one to call, but there, there seem to be more and more women partaking in combat sports. You know, you've got uh, Pitbull Nansen there out south who's had a lot of boxing, kickboxing fights. Maybe she'll move to the MMA scene. You've got uh, Janae Hollowpoint-Harding who's cracked Bell- Bellator there mm-hmm. in the States, but now lives in the, She's born in New Zealand but uh, resides in Australia. And, and there's other fighters on the come up, and um, I guess considering for how many females do MMA, combat sports, they represent a per capita higher base, so it's only a matter of time before more and more Kiwis start representing uh, New Zealand on the global scale. And Gina Fabian, of course, about Great. to jump. Uh, is it the, is, what's it called now, the Professional Fight League? I think it used PFL. to be the World, Se- World Series of Fighting. PFL. It's still run by Ray Seffel. That's correct. So he, like you said, just had the uh, World Series of Fighting, changed that to PFL. He's got a really good uh, TV connection there in, in the States, and as we know, the purse is a million dollars. So, Siggy as well from C- CKB has just been confirmed for that. So, uh, probably two or three weeks ago that came out, fighting for a million dollar payday. All right. Uh, the UFC fights this past weekend, we had uh, Jack Hermanson, who 
has out of nowhere become a middleweight contender. And, and look, on paper and based on what I saw, he is a tough matchup for a guy like Israel Adesanya because of his ability to, to, to wrestle. And he's the first guy I've ever seen that has no fear of Jacare's ground game where he was taking him down at will. Uh, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, Footy, on that potential fight happening if Israel can get past Robert Whitaker. It sounds like Hermanson will want to fight one more time and then he'll, you know, he wins that and then he, 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 in his own opinion, would be ready for a title fight. Is he a guy that Israel is going to have to keep a close eye on? Yeah, well, I mean, that division just keeps getting deeper, doesn't it? These new guys just pop out of um, the woodwork. And I mean, I, I know Hermanson's been been uh, on a fight win streak of his own. But um, yeah, as you say, I think he's probably got another, potentially two fights in him before he gets to the Adesanya sort of title contention level. Um, Israel's got a fair few names in mind who probably have a bigger sort of name value that he'd probably want to knock off first. And what I'd like to see next, Hermanson Gastelum. What are you thinking? Isaac, Loving you that. into that? that? I mean, look, that fight alone with Izzy and Gastelum was absolutely crazy. And, and believe it or not, uh, Hermanson only got the call two or three weeks. Uh, and it's just a true example of if you get it at one shot, one opportunity, don't you know let it slip by. And he took that fight and absolutely rocked Souza. Apparently Romero fight. was in a car dodging USADA for three weeks. So couldn't... <laughs> couldn't. Couldn't couldn't make the fight. Um, yeah, look, I, and I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with what I've seen. Um, do we bother giving any uh, on-air mention to Greg Hardy, or do we just leave that for another day? Flag. <laughs> okay, this weekend uh, UFC fight night. This card has snuck up on us. Um, could be one of the fights of the year. Obviously, going to be pretty tough to beat those two fantastic main events from Israel Adesanya's card the other week. Uh, but Al Iaquinta and Donald Cerrone in the lightweight division. Uh, Iaquinta, as I mentioned at the top of the show, guys. Probably gave Khabib Nurmagomedov his toughest fight, but even then Khabib swept him like I think four rounds to one on at least two of the judges' scorecards uh, against you know probably one of the most popular fighters in combat sports, let alone the UFC. Uh, Isaac, you're a big big fan, I'm sure, of, of the lighter weights. Uh, you know, big fan of Donald Cerrone, probably as most people are. But Ally Quinta just has one of those like sort of attitudes where I don't think he feels like he can be beat. Yeah, there was such a clincher of a fight too, and I bet a lot of people out there were gunning for Alaquinta in that last round. You know, I was just hoping for the knockout when he was pushing it to Khabib. And you're right, one of the hardest fights that Khabib's have been given. I just like everything about Alaquinta. Ale- you know, the way he is, his attitude. He says anything on the mic. But Cerrone, just the same. I've got a bit of an equal love for both these fighters. <laughs> Cerrone does what he wants, travels around in a caravan, drinks beers. It's so weird with Cerrone, isn't it? Every time you sort of think that maybe he'll be on a downward slide and he takes that loss, you think, oh, is this going to start petering off now? Then he has another search. So he's on the He's already got a two-fight win streak behind him. He's beaten a guy like Mike Perry, um, not too far removed from that win. Perry obviously had a big win on the weekend over the other cowboy, the Brazilian yes. cowboy. Um, but yeah, yeah, I can, as you say, just an entertaining guy. Great, like he just brings it every time. Only had seven days' notice for the Nurmagomedo fight. Great boxing can talk a big game and his, his Twitter game's pretty on point too the old real estate agent and uh, the man who probably rivals New Zealand's Carlos Yulberg as the hottest human being in mixed martial arts Elias Theodora who's a male model in his own right taking on uh, the man who Israel Asanya made look decisively average and that is uh, Derek Brunson this is a make or break fight footy for, for Brunson's career um, and for Theodora it's a chance to I guess put himself into the top 15 at middleweight the- Theodoro, who's he's done all the right things in terms of getting himself and you know getting spoken about and you know outside of the ring, you know as he's become the. Oh, actually, what you could even say close. 
close to the ring, becoming, I think he's the first ever um, ring guy. Yes. I'm not sure exactly which promotion that was in, but uh, um, classic for a guy like that. Fantastic here. Derek Brunson, you know, well, I mean, he's on the, the real brink of becoming irrelevant, isn't he? Let's be honest. In that division, it's pretty tough. He's always going to have something to say with his wrestling. Um, but yeah, it's a pick and fight for me. He's, he's got that unorthodox style as well, Brunson. Yeah, he's going to have to come forward and throw some, some pot shots to, to take this fight. Otherwise, you're right, it could be uh, a make-or-break fight if he, if he doesn't win this. And you can catch that card on UFC Fight Pass, and I'm pretty sure ESPN will have it on Sky as well. So there's a little plug out there, Sky, if you want to chuck me any money my way. be really appreciative of that. Um, well, that pretty much wraps up uh, the show this weekend. Oh, one thing before I go, Isaac, I want to get your thoughts on Joseph Parker. Uh, rumoured that Derek Chisora will be his next opponent potentially Chisora was I think average is probably a little bit harsh but he wasn't, um, I don't think he was very slick in his last outing um, in a very winnable fight against a, a very you know, a pretty average opponent uh, is, that a, is that a safe matchup for Joseph or is it, is it, does it come with its risks as well if that's where David Higgins decides to go? Yeah, You're right, it depends too if Higgins goes down the Hearn or top rank sort of path or um, over in the States However, Chirosa or Chisora, sorry, is a, a tough, tough fight. I mean, we just saw Chisora's last fight. He comes to play, he comes to bang. And Joseph, based on Joseph's last performance, uh, he's really going to have to step up. You know, still one of the only guys to take uh, JP or the AJ yeah. 12 rounds. He's really going to have to step up for this fight. Uh, if he does get, get chinned or, or clocked, he's just going to have to come forward and just utilise his boxing that he's always been good at and... and um, Obliged to do in a sense, and it is a tough fight though. I always get nervous about these top 10 fights when Joseph jumps in. And I guess this week is a prime example of, and heavyweight boxing in particular, your one injury or one personal knockout away or impressive win from being right back in contention. I mean, not that long ago, we had Carlos Tackham step in at short notice to fight Anthony Joshua, uh, a year removed from him losing to, to, to Parker. Ruiz now another victim of Joseph Parker's getting a title fight, and he beat Alexander Demetrenko just a few weeks ago, who Joseph's also knocked out. So really, it doesn't matter the quality of opposition as long as you're getting wins, uh, and and you you know you're, you're maybe getting stoppages. Uh, if if there's a late call up to a fight um, needed, generally the champion will take a, a low risk sort of high reward type type deal, won't they? Like I can imagine, for instance, if Brazil pulls out of this fight with Wilder in a couple of weeks, Deontay Wilder could consider a guy like Joseph Parker for that fight. And we've got to remember, Joseph Parker's only. 30 years old, he's in the prime of his life, he's already done things that no New Zealand heavyweight boxers have done, so obviously always supporting our, our Kiwi boy, uh, I look forward to this fight being locked in, or them obviously sorting out the contract and then them, them going and do the rounds it is it is a tough fight, and Chisora can make it hard for anyone on the night but if, if Parker's busy, active he'll, he'll take home the win. Do you have any thoughts Isaac on where Joseph needs to go with his contract in terms of his next promotional team? That's a good I mean, look, Eddie Hearn, as you can see, is a great negotiator, good, a good stable of fighters under him, and he would create some really good opportunities. I think they've built really good leeway too with all the, the promotions in the past. Like, it makes sense to go down that path, but then if they do go down that, that British path with Hearn, it makes things a little bit more complicated for the Fury fights, you know, the Lubella, the promotions all across the States. could be a bit harder with Wilder. Uh, I, I'm sort of neutral about what way he should go. It makes sense to probably go down the Eddie Hearn path commercially. Could be a little bit easier, 
but it may make it a little bit more complicated for the US fighters. The interesting thing for me is Joseph's only currently ranked, I think, in two of the the four major organizations, and one of them is the WBC, which he has his highest ranking, I think, which is currently sixth or fifth in the world. Um, and a lot there's a lot of political stuff around that about in terms of of where you get ranked. I know you have to to pay all these organizations a, a sort of a down payment to get ranked. Do you think that's any indication as well that that David Higgins has placed Joseph in the WBC to sort of, you know, potentially go after Deontay's title? Well, if you look at um, even the projectile path of Joseph Parker, they've followed a very good structure. You know, you could almost use it as a business blueprint for what they've done start to finish. So getting that WBO title was great leverage, um, a good moneymaker, good good for everyone in a sense. And yeah, that's what they've been doing from the start is to try to establish themselves strategically to get those title shots. If they keep going down this path they're going, it's going to be good, but it's going to make things a little bit harder, potentially going against the opposition of uh, not signing up with a US promoter. All right, I think that's us. What do you got? Anything else to add today? Oh, just quietly on the one championship scene. Uh, two Kiwi boys had great wins in the one Warrior Series last week. We had Kieran Joblin, absolute veteran out of Christchurch, who was absolutely dominant, smothered this guy. I can't remember who he was, but I actually think he was one of Bali MMA uh, Mikey Kale's fighters um, who didn't have a good day at the office there. But um, really putting himself in the frame there for a full one championship contract is Kieran Joblin, and we've also and also Punyasai. Um, he's based in Bali, fights out of Bali MMA, um, also um, by way of Myanmar, so he's kind of representing Myanmar and New Zealand. But, um, you know, straight out of Glen Innes, had a great win as well. Um, still pretty raw, pretty rough around the edges. He's 2-0 and really on, his, on the professional scenes, but um, you can see the potential there. Really, really slick on the feet, um, great head movement, and um, I think they've got some big things in store for that guy. Of course, Mark Abelardo mentioned him earlier he's he's signed on to fight in, in Bangkok next weekend um, Sato Suzuki will be in the co-main event of that card so that's a strictly MMA fight um, he'll be looking to go 2-0 and on the promotion so big things and that's what this show's all about guys we want to give you I guess the, the the most broad horizon possible, it's in terms of New Zealand anyway, in terms of mixed martial arts, as I said at the top of the show, all these media outlets are covering MMA, but we want to give you guys something a little bit different, uh, while obviously also covering the big stories, the newsmakers and what have you. So that's what we're all about here at the Fight Club Podcast. Thank you to Isaac for coming in today. And as I said, it'll be a big part of the show moving forward in the next uh, wee while. And thank you to Stephen, as always. Yeah, thanks, Brad. And yeah, thanks, Isaac. It's been a long time coming, but thanks, happy boys. to have you here, man. And I just want to know, like, did you feel any extra pressure? I know you got a bit of pressure from your dad to get into fighting, but with a surname like Savage, I mean, just Everyone always asks, so they say, is that your real last name? <laughs> and I didn't have to have a fight name because people actually thought I made that name up. And at times I'm always showing people my license to prove that is my last name. Could have gone with maybe Isaac the Savage Savage. Would that have... <laughs> or just Isaac the? Savage, yeah. yeah. So that was your nickname. I'm jealous. Savage yeah. is, is so good. Yeah, it's much better nickname than Foot or Lewis, that's for sure. Um, like Stephen's name would be Stephen Bigfoot, right? That would be... I think if I fought, I'd be um, the soldier, like the foot soldier. <laughs> it's, it's very good, soldier of God. It's not good. It's, that's not good in any way. All right, enjoy the fights this weekend. Again, thank you to Isaac. Thank you to Footy. Um, thank you very much to the band Undercut for intro and outro music. If you want to know more about the show, um, check out our archive episodes. You've got 22 episodes to download and listen to. www.newshub.co.nz forward slash podcast check out the fight club link there uh, and also we're on anywhere where you can find your podcasts uh, such as itunes uh and spreaker and uh you name it we're on it as far as i'm i know i'm pretty sure we, we are there uh so thanks very much for listening we'll catch you back here on the fight club podcast in a week's time thank you very much <laughs>